0: Welcome to the FX Money Show Podcast. FX Money Show Podcast. Where your host, Nick, uses his 30 years of experience to demolish the FX markets while exposing the how, why, and when of Forex in front of your eyes. So take the foggles off. Subscribe and share with your most trusted friends. Pet the cat. Yes, I've said pet the kitty cat. Chew some gum and put the headphones on the bone dome. Time is money. And this is the FX Money Show.
1: Hello, friends. Um, So this episode is actually a little bit of an extended episode about an hour and whatever 45 minutes or so Uh, but if you listen along and you find uh, some insight or some transparency in the show notes uh, for this episode uh, there is in fact a link to the YouTube video uh, which shows the screen and everything else uh, as we go through this so I would um, highly suggest that if you want to understand how foreign exchange markets work at the granular level of analysis, uh, jump over to the link on to the YouTube channel and take a peek there. We'll see you on the inside. All right. So um, how, how many years have you toyed around or, or studied the market?
2: Oh, probably... <laughs>
1: five I was gonna I was gonna say six years. So it was (laughs) close. Yeah, based upon what your responses was. I was gonna say five, six years. So um we're not too far out. And and what has been your primary uh method of analysis? You know if there was if there was one or
3: two.
2: I was a member of I, I met someone here in Denver who was a member of uh one of this uh, it was a group you know and they had this software and, you know so I, I was like yeah I'll try it and then um he just decided he was not gonna do it so uh and I just didn't like I don't know I just didn't like the way the Something with the software just didn't click with me. I don't think it was very predictive. I think you could catch little glitches in it or little things, but um, people did really well, but, you know, I was, you know, plus I'm a chiropractor, so I had X number of hours to, now I'm a little, you know, I can trade from the office if I want to, you know, yep. and I don't know what you guys trade. Like, I know this starts at six, but I don't know what you're, what your guys's prime hours of trading are, but um, you know, then we use the Oanda platform, and I tr- just tried out my own, like just the, just using the the overbought oversold, and I, I mean I just tried a lot of things, and you know, but it was just more experiment than than really anything. Okay, so
1: it's a good basis. I think it's a good basis. So, what uh, if I draw on the chart? If this were your chart,
3: mm-hmm.
1: seems I, re- I repeated that chart from last time I done. I did this exercise. What is the chart now? This is a euro dollar, and it's a one minute time frame, right? Mm-hmm.
3: If this is your chart, what is the chart representing? You mean uh, what you drew? Yeah, if this was the chart on the, on the screen. Now you can't see my
1: candles um, or the candles on this chart and, and that's intentional, um, but this little squiggly yellow line, that would be, if that was the chart, that would be the relationship between two currencies, right? Yeah. Right. so how many instruments are there in this exchange rate? Is it one instrument or is it really two instruments? Well, it's the euro and the dollar. Exactly. Exactly. So there's two instruments. Right. So why is it
3: that traders analyze the one?
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess I I yeah. I understand that it's one of them's going up and one of them's going down. So
1: well, in the exchange rate, it's going up. But what the charts won't tell you is why is it going up?
2: Well, right? it, it, is it because the institutional traders are coming in?
1: Not necessarily. I mean okay. it, it, in, in the end result is yes, you know it's volume of activity yeah. that is more aggressive to the upside. And that is institutional activity because we retail traders, we, we're the small guys and we're only about 3% of the overall market anyway.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So if, if we're trading, it's gonna be a little slice of you know contribution there or a little slice of contribution there, but it's all the banks that make the price move. Right. right. So the charts are giving us information that is insufficient to determine why and how far the exchange rate's gonna move, right? Because it does not give us the correct analysis of the two currencies that are within the quote. So the the quote is ultimately the chart in the squiggly, but uh, we've got the Euro, and the dollar,
2: uh-huh.
1: right? So I wanna know whether the value of the Euro is going higher or the value of the dollar is going higher or lower, right? not, not in the currency pair, but in their individual value. And the only way to determine that is by looking at the Euro Against the New Zealand dollar, the Aussie dollar, the yen, sterling, Canadian, and Swiss, as well as the dollar. Mm -hmm. And what that gives us is a, a complete picture or a much, much, much more complete picture than just looking at the exchange rate. Because the exchange rate is just the relationship between the two, but it's not the push and pull of ebb and flow between the two, right? And that's what causes the market to move. So what we do is build a value, an index, right? Of each individual currency that we're trading. And We normalize that value so we can compare apples to apples, right? Because I don't want to, you know, I don't care if the exchange rate between, you know, euro New Zealand has gone to six hundred and fifty-five to one. That doesn't make a difference. It's not going to do that unless all the other currency rates change as well. Mm -hmm. But what that gives me is a basket of value. You know, and if you're buying a basket of all the different types of apples that there are, they all get blended into one flavor, right? Same thing here. We're putting all of the individual currencies into a basket against the Euro and it gives the Euro a value. And that value is its index. And you can see it off to the right-hand side of the chart. That's its value right now. But we do the same thing with the dollar, right? And my chicken scratch is bad today. No, I get it. Yeah. Same thing. Same though. Mm -hmm. So they both have their own values, right? And we want to compare those values actively. And once we build the value and its index, we can then compare apples to apples. So we take it the next step. And in
3: terms of indexes, value of euro in contrast with the value of the dollar, right? So the dollar here, If this
1: event took place in the little circle there, and then over here, those are what I call transitions or crosses. Mm -hmm. That is where the value of the euro has crossed above the value of the dollar or crossed below the value of the dollar. Right? Either way, either way. So let's look at the charts down below and identify where the value of the euro and the dollar have crossed. Right. So we got, let's
3: go back to here and we'll start right here. Change this line to blue because, let me anchor that.
1: Because if the value of the euro is stronger than the dollar, we should expect
3: an upward direction. Okay. Okay,
1: and then then once again, right, if the value of the Euro is above
3: where I've put this pencil mark, that is expecting another move to the upside, right?
1: And then obviously there's some opposing views in there and there's one that's back
3: here. And let's turn this red.
2: So there's a lot of them that just cross and do nothing. What do you what do you yeah. look for yeah. that that's like okay, this is gonna make a move versus uh, just? Yep,
1: we're gonna we're gonna get to all of that. Okay. Get to all okay. That. Yep. So here's the dollar <laughs> crossing above. Right. Here's the euro crossing above. What about this one? Say right here. Yeah, right here is pretty good.
2: What about yeah, there's nothing much there. Yeah.
1: Well, there, there, there isn't at first glance. But does that cross? Yeah. Okay. And does this maybe extend
2: the cross? You mean does it stay that way? F- does or- it?
1: Does it start to diverge again? Is there more of a? It, does it get stronger on that cross?
2: Yeah.
1: Okay, so we're gonna filter out all of this and you, you'll, you'll understand it in a, in a few seconds, right? So then
3: we've got a little bit more right there, right? Or another one, but that means there's an opposite view there, right? And then there's another one here, right? Then a little bit more of a
1: opposite view. And maybe even another one here. Now we're not comparing the prices at all. All we're looking at is these crosses of value. Right? So this is the last one. Then he's got a little bit of softness here. But look at this, you know, in terms of the values, if the values are going sideways together
3: or parallel. Where is the exchange rate going? Sideways. just yeah. Sideways. Just sideways. Now, exchange rates cannot move
1: unless there's money flow going into one currency and a different quantity of money flow going into or out of the other currency. Right, And that stems from cross-border money flow.
3: Because if, let's
1: say, um, a major investment bank sees that money can be, they can profit by moving money into Switzerland for a period of about a week because they've got what's called a, uh, a forward rate uh, benefit. And they can increase a rate of return on what would ultimately be interest rate, free interest rate arbitrage. Uh, Mm -hmm. They can do so by moving their money into Switzerland for a week. And they gain a half a percent interest over top of what their cost is. So, So it's kind of a premium. So if they see that opportunity, the banks will move their money overseas even if it's just for a week or a couple of days. And that causes the rate to move, but it's not just one bank that sees those opportunities. It's a hundred banks that see that opportunity, right? And they see the value, not not just the currency, uh, not the currency exchange rate that we're trading on, but they see the value from all currencies because money's coming from all over, right? So all exchange rates move. And if those exchange rates don't move, it exposes arbitrage opportunities, which is the risk-free, you know, buy here, sell here, instantaneous profit, right? So if there's no differential between the exchange values, then the exchange rate goes sideways. So as we look at this, what we're looking for are those instances where the values are diverging away from each other. Right. Right. And that allows us to go back and say, well, this one's nonsense. We're gonna we're gonna eliminate that because it doesn't have that differential in value. Right. And then the market moves slightly higher, this is what I would expect. The market moves slightly higher through here, just slightly, right? And then it starts to get a bump and it starts to get this bump higher because the value of the dollar shrinks or minimizes or goes to the downside really quickly. So the differential is telling us you've got upside moves. So there's technically, well, there's one differential and then there's another measure that governs how much volume goes into the market, right? And and the group you were in before, they, if I flip ninety nine, if I flip a thousand coins, I would say ninety nine point nine percent of them, um, in that in the analysis you used in the group, were studying what's called price action, right? So because price action is what's available to the retail trader. So you've got three different things, one, two, and three. That is a three. The third thing that happens on the chart in terms of the timing of events, the third thing that happens is price action, right? That is what the retail trader sees. They see nothing else because this is how the market's been structured
3: right but who governs that structure well
2: mostly the institutional traders or the banks
3: okay not okay so you got it right
1: the banks but who, who governs it who creates the laws who forces market transparency to exist freely for everyone or in an opposing view who restricts that market transparency from everybody seeing the same thing? Probably the
2: banks.
1: (laughs) Exactly, because because they they lobby for regulations. And Congress has created the laws to which you and I trade on, because the banks have lobbied for this. But do you think the bank would ever go to Congress and say, let's open up this over-the-counter market and make it transparent for everyone? No. Okay. Exactly. Exactly my point. That was, a, that was technically a dumb question. There is such a thing as a dumb question. Um, so they're not going to do that because they profit when you lose and they don't expect you or want you to have transparency, right? So we have to build that transparency, And we have to expose it, exploit it, publish it, whatever it is. So this is transparency. So in the values, the values should, in any proper strategy, should tell you why the exchange rate is moving. And if you're looking at the apples to apples, you can pick out of the basket which one is starting to rot, you know, to rot a little bit more than the other one right or which one is nice and polished and you know it's ripe as heck and that's the one that you want but going back to the charts price action is what retail traders see because of intentional opacity mm-hmm. right before price action and you already mentioned this or uh, some in a in a comment related to it the first or the thing that happens before price action is market volume, okay? That's what governs the changes in direction, right? So if I'm gonna draw a few candles, these candles are going to the downside, retail traders see price action moving higher here, but volume transitions down here and it goes higher before these candles change direction. Right, And in my chicken, str- chicken scratch drawing, there's one more thing that moves or is the director, the conductor of even what volume does. What could that be? Any
3: idea? Um, I don't
2: know. Sentiment. Oh, sentiment.
1: So sentiment, think of you know, uh, you know, think of a hundred traders in a in a pit or on the floor of an exchange of some sort, and they are balanced. They're back over they're back over here where the market's not moving anywhere. But somebody comes into the pit and announces some news which causes the value of the euro to move to the upside, and that causes the market to change direction and move sentiment higher. But before volume actually aggressively hits that marketplace, the mindset of traders has changed. All right, so sentiment is the mindset before volumes actually trigger. So how do we pull sentiment? How do we get sentiment out of somebody's mind? We don't, we don't have to. Their activity amongst, remember I did this, the euro and the dollar, their activity on all the other currencies as it's built into the indexes is telling us what that sentiment is doing. Because we're not just looking at the euro and the dollar, we're looking at the yen, we're looking at the Canadian, the Swiss, the pound, the uh the, the Euro to the dollar, New Zealand and off you, we're looking at all of those mm-hmm. in order to build the value itself. All right, so sentiment is what becomes the conductor of volume. And then when traders aggressively, bank traders or institutional traders, when they aggressively go to the market, that becomes the volume and the result is price action shows a change on the
3: chart. So retail traders are always looking at what happens after the fact. Okay. Makes sense. So,
1: So we've got a series of transitions on the chart and I'm gonna quickly go through and put a... Okay, so we got the Euro higher here. Uh, Then the dollar starts to get strong through here. And then they go sideways through here from there to about there. And then the dollar gets strong again right there. All right. So let's go through and filter these out. Now, structure is in everything. And by structure, what I mean is something that's fairly related to price action right price action being you know this up and down and then price action lower but structure is this you know the point of breaking to a new low or breaking to a new high that's a breach in structure but it doesn't make a difference the time frame i don't care whether it's you know 30 seconds ago or five minutes ago because what you see on the charts Is buyers will always band together and sellers will always band together because the buyers start to become aggressive when they see other buyers becoming aggressive.
3: Right. And keep in mind that 95% of bank activity is aggressive. Only
1: 5% is market making where the market's range bound quiet and they're making markets and people are buying and selling and they're just taking up the middle, you know but 95% of bank activity is aggressive. And with that being the case and us being just this tiny little 3% slice if prices are moving, who's trading? Banks. Yeah. Right. So then if we look at structure, structure gives us a direction of institutional flow just naturally. Right. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit um, uh, disheartening for me because my mission is to expose transparency, exactly what we're looking at. But I've gone into posts or groups and Discord servers. And I try and hold that conversation with retail traders that just don't understand that those core influences of the market, all of this stuff. And what they're trying to do is predict how far that market's going to move. So they see, you know, something like this. And then what they do is they'll look on the chart and they're going to predict, well, I think it's going to break lower. And they put all of their money on that trade. And what mm-hmm. happens? What they're doing is fighting the structure. Oops, wrong color, Hold on. What they're doing is fighting the structure of bank activity already. And there's no way that they're gonna force institutions to start selling. Now, maybe 2% of the time, 3% of the time, they might be effective in guessing and predicting. Right. But if we're predicting or trying to predict, what are we also doing? We're putting blinders on ourselves. Because we can't determine where the institutions are going to change their mind and market sentiment is going to shift. We can't determine that. Mm -hmm. but what we can do is respond to it because we can see the change in sentiment and we can see the change in volume and those changes occur before price action shows itself but price action is just the structure of movement right movement up pull back now When I draw these lines, let's just assume that when I've stopped drawing, that is the termination point. Termination point because sentiment and volume. So if this is structure to the upside and you've got 100 buyers and you've got 50 sellers, what is structure? Structure is to the upside because the net difference Between those 100 buyers and 50 sellers who have spent everything that they can, the net difference is that there's still 50 buyers left Uh over.
2: All
1: right. So we should expect structure to continue. And only at the point where there's more sellers than what there was in buyers on that second event or that second sequence or that second grouping of buyers banding together
3: only when they're defeated does it give us any sort of change in direction
1: all right so this can happen in terms of this can happen say 150 come in and it certainly defeated you know the buyers up here it's defeated them it's it's you know, eclipsed their volume, right? And it's institutional traders that put that volume into the market, right? But this can happen that way, or maybe it can happen, um, let's say, clean some of this up. It can happen this way. And if this is the termination point, what is structure? Now structure is to the downside already. Because- because it's a lower high. And volume will show where it starts to taper and go the other way before this actually goes the other way. And sentiment will show that it's going the other way before it goes the other way. So let's go back to each of these vertical lines that we've put on the chart. And let's look and see if we can identify the structure of sentiment at the placement of either of those lines, right? So what is sentiment? It's just the structure of movement. So here is sentiment though. Right? That's sentiment.
2: So the top Basically, one you're saying the top one is sentiment. Top one is sentiment,
1: the and then the indexes are the values. Okay. Right? So what we want to see at any sort of dynamic, we don't care what the time frame is, as long as we see lower highs or lower lows that confirms sentiment for us. Right. So we go here. What do we see? Lower high, lower low. Right? Okay. All right. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it's um uh let's say you you've gone over here and then you've got this. All right. What this is telling (laughs) us is effectively we've got a move to the downside that is supported by a little bit of price. And then it's kind of gone sideways before it starts to move back to the downside again, right? But it doesn't make a difference if it's if structure is broken over a two minute period or a 10 minute period. It's just that recent banding of buyers that has failed and it's turned to the downside, right? And as it's turned to the downside through here, the indexes cross or diverge away from each other with the dollar being stronger. So this is sentiment to the downside. And this is just slight, just slight initially, it's more obvious right there, right? Because it's Mm -hmm. gone higher than that little high just after that. So that is to the upside, but before that goes to the upside, you have a failure of it to go lower and a failure of it to go lower. So that is at this, right at this point and a failure of it to go lower, that is sentiment to the upside. Okay. Okay. And then here you've got sentiment to the upside and failure of it to go lower. So that's a little bit of sentiment to the upside. Even though somewhere down in here, we can see this. So I didn't put that line there because I still want to be able to dissect it, but I would suggest that we're going to have a downside move right in through there. And you can see how the dollar is is approaching the value of the Euro. So that is with sentiment to the downside, a little bit of a pullback, right? So then let's go back over here. You've got sentiment to the upside. And then here you have clear sentiment to the downside through here. So that's telling me as this market went higher, this is the point that is technically telling us we're starting to see resistance. And then it goes sideways. And then here you've got a little bit of upside move. And then immediately after you've got downside move. So it probably gets a little choppy and then goes to the downside, right? But on each one of these, So let me clean up the chicken scratch and go through all of them. Get a little sentiment to the downside there. A little bit of upside pressure there. You've got upside sentiment with a failure. You've got downside sentiment. You've got more downside sentiment. You've got a little bit of upside sentiment. And then it reverses because we're not trying to predict. If we try and predict, we're going to have blinders on ourselves and we're not going to be able to recognize dynamically or be responsive enough when the market changes direction. And the only way we can see a change in direction is by a crossing of the indexes and sentiment. Right, that's the only way the market can change direction. It's the exchange of value. You know, the dollar is getting stronger than the euro. The euro dollar exchange rate is going to go to the downside. So each of these has a little bit of sentiment lower that happens a couple minutes later, it gets some price support down through here before it continues slightly lower again. And then here it starts to see, all right, you've got more of a sideways move through here, right? Then an upside move. The indexes are fairly parallel. So there's not a whole lot of sentiment that's working that way. So we're going to probably eliminate this. But we want to cherry pick the best opportunity. So that's why we're going to eliminate it. But we don't need to see the candles to do that. All we need to do is see the difference. Because the difference between the indexes gives us that money flow differential of where there's more money flowing into say the Euro or in that case, the Euro than what there is in the dollar. But in this case right here, they're almost equal to each other. And what I want to see is a 12% difference because a 12% difference is definitively walking up to the tree and picking those apples off yourself. Okay, And you can decide whether you want to take that opportunity because you can pick which apple you want. All right. So if we see the differential greater than 12%, we can, we can cherry pick that apple. Right. So here's another one. Sentiment to the downside. Here's another one through here. Sentiment to the downside. You know, there's a little bit of sideways movement through here. I've got that on a, on a fixed line on the chart. So Now let's look at one other thing before we bring the candles up, the differential, right? So let's go and
3: look at the difference between the indexes. So what is the sub window two? Uh, Sub window
1: two is, the window of the indicator for the the index is, is, in, is window number one. Window two is just tells us it's in position two. That's all. It has nothing to do with the calculation. It's just telling us where it is. Because we might have, like on other charts over here, we might have the differential and don't be concerned with the, all the lines there. Um, it's just a study, a statistical study. Uh, we might have the differential in sub window three, you know, so we've got to set it to which one it is. So um, how,
2: uh, how do you know when it's 12%? Right.
1: That's what I'm looking at. Now <laughs> I've gone a little bit further into history than what the differential shows, but for sake of argument, the 12% positive is right here. The 12% negative so here's 12% positive, here's 12% negative.
2: So those lines, those the, yep. those the up and down, okay.
1: Yep, so all this is doing is looking at the difference between the indexes. It's all it's doing, it's all it has to do, all right? But back in history, we can't see all of this, we can see the majority of it. Um, but these are both strong enough that we're gonna get some movement to the downside. We're gonna get some movement to the upside. We'll get a little bit more movement to the upside because the differential is greater than 12. And if the differential is greater than 12, this has to happen in order to see a strong price spike or a big drop to the downside. This has to happen when it drops below that negative 12, that's where you're gonna see a big drop or this is where you're gonna see a big drop. Right, so any one of these opportunities that breaks above the 12, there's a little one, but we see that downside pressure anyway. Any one of these opportunities that drops below the negative 12, those are the opportunities. Doesn't mean that all of them are going to go our way, but it does mean that we're going to see some pressure that direction. But yet we have to dynamically respond to whatever the market's giving us. We have to respond to it because we if we again, if we try predicting, we're not going to see how far the market goes when it decides to change direction we're going to still you know we're going to make our prediction and say oh i'm i think the price is going to go up here but yet when sentiment and volume change direction here your eyes are still stuck on there and you don't believe that you're going to be wrong because traders are very ego driven and not necessarily ego driven but we're all trying to conquer the market otherwise we wouldn't
3: be trading <laughs> right but we like the idea of fairly risk-averse profits.
1: You know, we like the idea of getting into a position, collecting a profit in a few minutes, and then walking away, You know, and having the freedom of time and everything else we want to do, right? So the differential shows us where those opportunities exist. The natural state of the differential is anything below the zero line is bearish
3: pressure. Anything above the zero line is bullish pressure. Right. So there
1: are other opportunities, but to cherry pick the best, mm-hmm. we look we look for that 12. So then in terms of being dynamic or responsive, when we get into a trade, we look for between zero and two pips.
2: And this is on a one-minute chart.
1: Yeah, it's on a one minute chart, where most people are afraid. Most people are afraid of trading it because their analysis is not responsive enough. We prefer it because it's mu- there's much more transparency in it, much when you have the right analysis. You know, So whether it's a one minute or some people like the five minute, I prefer the one. I think everybody else in this session probably prefers the one. Um, but between zero and two pips, if sentiment, changes direction on us, get out, get out. You're gonna follow structure of institutional flow, but if the trade only goes between zero and two pips and sentiment changes direction, get out. If it's between two and eight pips, you're gonna get out on sentiment and the candle break. And a candle break is is easy to see. So here's a couple of candles, the third candle being that last, or say we entered on candle one and then we went candle two, candle three, and then this candle, if this candle saw sentiment changing direction, crossing below the candle and you were 1.5 pips in profit, if sentiment Went below that candle, you're going to get out. But if this was 5.5 pips in profit, you're going to wait for it to break this prior candle low. If it was eight pips in profit, or let's say nine pips in profit, you're not going to look at sentiment and candle. What you're going to look at is where does it cross back above that negative 12? or where does it cross back below the positive 12, right? That's gonna be your exit point, right? That's it, that's, that's everything in a nutshell, right? So if we, if we go based upon that, based upon the indexes, based upon the, the value of sentiment, based upon the differential and this set of guidelines for finding an exit, this is what we have.
3: a market that we have completely dissected and found every turn that there was. From this first one over here and
1: a downside move, let me change the color, to this move, an upside move, to this move, continuing that upside move with sentiment, and then this move to the downside. Now, look at this. It does not have a significant influence of that downside move. So let's cherry pick it. We don't want that one. But the next one does. So we find more opportunity. right? And then the next one to the upside. Yeah, it's questionable. The structure is still to the downside. So we're going to cherry pick it. It's still gonna... the downside because it's a lower high? Exactly. It has not broken above this high. It's still a lower high. So we're going to cherry pick it. But then the next opportunity is this breakdown. All right, that one gets a little quiet, right? So we're going to cherry pick it because it hasn't broken that prior low. It is a little bit of a move. Uh, let me see. Yeah, 2.6, not that much. It's pretty quiet, but we're going to cherry pick it because it's not below the negative 12. We'll stay consistent to those rules and try not to use discretion. This one, not below the negative 12. All right. So that means you're either in a position here still, or maybe you recognize this breach below the 12 and you've got this move to contend with, right? Then it bounces, bounces around. Then you've got this one and this one is not below that negative 12. You know, this one's not above that negative, above that positive 12. Now this one is below that negative 12, right? It doesn't go a whole lot. This is a fairly quiet market. It goes three and a half pips. So, Three and a half pips, we're going to find an exit based upon sentiment and the candle. And that happens back at you, friends. So uh, a short intermission. You know, What I've developed here over the years is just complete market transparency. And that's what traders need to trade well it's not smart money concepts those we know don't work uh, and we can show that with data and unfortunately traders are being led astray uh, with this ICT or this smart money concept because concepts are just unproven theories where we prefer to trade with fact and knowledge of, of data science and and certainty behind it so If you wanna know more, uh, all I can suggest is jump over to i4x.market, again, i4x.market, and take a peek at the video when you get to the homepage. It's right on front, you can't miss it. And that will give you so much more transparency uh, than what most people ever realize or even experience. So we'll see you on the inside.
0: You're listening to the FX Money Show, where taking profits is like squeezing a rubber ducky. Here's your host and his favorite whoopee cushion, the man himself, the guy with the big... Well, all hell. Let's let's get back to the show.
2: Now, are you sitting there actively getting in and out, or are you setting... The in pin and out, for it to get you out.
1: Oh no, there, there's. We we just we watch that sentiment, and you manually click when sentiment okay. changes direction. So
2: you're in and you're out. Yeah, in. yeah. Oh, you're clicking. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because ultimately, over the course of the day, all of the overlapping trades, when you follow the rules, it's going to get you in the market. You're going to pull profit out. You're going to let it pull back, and then you're going to get in the continuation of that, right? So then this last one it goes below the negative 12 and that's a little bit better at you know 0.8% return in 41 minutes. So pretty quiet market there. Um, but it eventually you know it, it gives another opportunity over here. But this is without seeing the candles because the analysis has nothing to do with the candles. The candles are the result of what's taking place in the market.
2: So you could trade without the candles. You can
1: trade without the candles. I don't advise it, but you can trade without the candles, right? The analysis is there. So let's go to current market conditions and see, all right, well, this is, you know, given us a a nice sizable move to the upside. We got this, you know, we see this pullback, right? And then it extends again. And it, when it extends again, it's giving more sentiment back to the upside. right? And then it does it again. It does this. And then it does it again. It does this. right?
3: So based upon those rules, we have this.
1: So each one of these zones where we've got these blue lines and multiple blue lines all at the same time. That is a move higher through all of this until we've got a little bit of a pullback through here and then a pullback through here. But that means this is profit and this is profit. But each one of those candles also has sentiment pushing higher. So now you can look at sentiment on the index window, which is tough to see here, I get that. It's tough to see here, but you can look at sentiment there or you can look at the sentiment based upon the bid. So where we have, let me go back to the other chart, where we have sentiment here, right? On the index window, if we transpose this sentiment and make the bid line equal to 100, which is the balance point of the market. And that's really what sentiment is, is sentiment is always showing us what parity is. What is exchange rate parity? And exchange rate parity is the protection of the market to where there is no arbitrage opportunities available. So the market's constantly looking for balance. And until it finds balance, it's going to move. So right now, based upon, and I'm gonna draw a a line and attach it to the chart. Here is approximately a 100 line, right about there, right? So this is the balance point of the market. And wherever that sentiment matches that line, that is market balance, If, if the price is there. If sentiment is to the downside, well, then price is gonna follow that sentiment because remember I said, sentiment starts first, volume is second, and price is the third thing that happens on the chart. But sentiment leads market price, by 30 to 60 seconds all day long. And how do we know that? Well, we put sentiment on the candles. So where this hundred line is the balance point that is sentiment and price balance. We use this calculation and put the balance line on the bid line And then what that allows us to see is whether sentiment is higher than the current candle or lower than the current candle.
3: So if we go to this chart, we can see that sentiment right
1: now is in fact uh, about even, about even. And we can see that here too. But this is it. This is it on the candle. So sentiment is slightly higher not much but look at where sentiment changes direction sentiment to the downside sentiment to the upside sentiment to the downside sentiment to the upside sentiment to the downside sentiment Sentiment back to the upside sentiment to the downside sentiment back to the upside every
3: single change in direction is identified by sentiment. And whether the market's going range bound, we can't stop it from going range bound. But when you get into a strong
1: move, that is below negative 12 and it's working its way to the downside, right? And it starts that somewhere over here, right? It's well, technically right about there.
0: So it gets into that move.
1: You wanna know how far that market's gonna move and maintain that downward bias. Well, sentiment tells you. And when sentiment goes above that current candle, that's the, it's over. So between zero and two pips, that's your exit. If it happens between two and eight pips, you're gonna look at the sentiment and the candle break. If it's between eight and above eight, then you're gonna look at that pullback of where that differential climbs back above
3: the negative 12. And it does that with sentiment. And what that allows you to do is what, and I'm gonna, um,
1: Svenja, I'm gonna use you as a, can I victimize you in your trading chart this morning?
2: Yeah, sure. Okay,
1: All right. So this was... How, Svenja, can you turn your microphone on?
2: Yeah. Right.
1: Um Svenja, when did you start trading to... Um, through the learning process, when did you start trading, you know, actively in a demo environment, right?
2: I would say about a month ago. Okay. Maybe... okay.
1: And... Svenja is this your chart from today
2: yeah exactly that's mine
1: yeah okay Miriam that's Svenja's uh, performance uh today I don't know how what's the time frame of this how long is this
2: uh this is in European time from nine o'clock until like 10 10 30 like an hour and a half
1: okay you've got a lot of trades you've got a lot of trades but so you're doing multiple trade legs per entry just like I do
2: Exactly, I, I follow your, I, I, I watch your trading obviously. So I, uh-huh. uh, whenever I see that it's, it's going my way, I will just pull a lot more in.
1: Okay. Okay. Nice. Yeah, that's um, uh, nothing short of exceptional, right? So um, Miriam, any questions?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, so what time, like US time, what, what when do you usually yeah. trade?
1: active the active hours and whether it's for me or, or for anyone else the active hours because we understand volume right mm-hmm. the active hours are New York for us anyway in the US uh, New York about 745 until about 130 p.m right well, I trade and that's
2: Eastern time
1: yeah Eastern time yeah Eastern time so 545 to uh, 1145 thing. So um, now there are certainly other days with FOMC and, and those more volatile news events that, you know, have those extended hours, but, you know, we've broken down now we've, we've looked just this morning at, you know, sentiment, the indexes, the differential, and then some simplified rules. Uh, but we know volume too, you know, and I, I, Technically started um, trading high-frequency arbitrage based upon volume. Um, so then the volume transitions into you know uh, more swing-type trading as well. Uh, but uh, so we, we've broken down my point in saying that is we've broken down each hour into five-minute buckets. So we know that volume you know inside and out. Uh, But the active hours are technically from just before London open till about 1 p.m. New York time. And then it quiets down unless there's an FOMC or some news event or Biden talking. (laughs) Oh,
2: God, yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) That's right.
1: right. (laughs) Onions for all. (laughs) Onions for all. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, so... um, so those are the active hours. There are times, you know, there are times, uh, wait, Svenja, how long was this? How many hours was this?
2: My chat, Uh, yeah. one hour and a half.
1: Okay. That's a lot of trades, maybe a little bit too many trades, but you found the right direction and that's important. Um, yeah. so but, I'm, uh, I'm still
3: testing my strategies here. So.
2: Yeah,
1: that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. So, um, uh, you know, usually you, know, you catch you catch a, a, about 20 pips in the course of the session, whether it's you're trading an hour or you're trading, you know, five hours, 20 pips in the session at 10 to one leverage is a 2% return.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, Cody, did you trade today? Uh,
0: trading right now.
3: And, and how'd you do so far today? Let me see. Oh, hold on.
0: Um, here we go. Um, um just under two percent so far. So it's been about uh, forty-five minutes.
1: Okay. Um, thank you, Daniel. Did you trade today? I know you're traveling, but did you
2: trade? <coughs> no, sorry, I haven't. I haven't. I'm a bit <laughs> ill, so uh, I've been taking some time off. But yeah, uh, just uh, in average, Miriam, I'm, I'm also around two percent per day
1: okay and daniel's got and that's limited
2: timing limited time on the charge yeah so I'm still working as well so
1: yeah um but daniel's kind of got um a unique story in, in that uh uh you came to us in he came to us in 2019 and went through uh five days of instruction and he saw um would you say a, a, a massive improvement from there
2: yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, very little confidence when I got into it, and, and confidence just grew. What, what's your
1: what's your confidence now? Daniel?
2: About, my, I'm a ninety. I would say almost ninety-five percent.
1: Okay, um, and if you don't mind sharing, did you did you you know produce a return last month, and what was that percentage?
2: Uh, last month. It was.
3: Let me just have a look quickly. Yeah, uh, forty. Yeah, not bad. Forty percent. All right. Thank you, yeah, Daniel. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks.
1: Yep. Um. That's it. You know now. Where where traders, uh, Miriam, where traders have gone wrong, you know, and been burned and burned and burned right to the stump. Um. I say that because you're in Colorado and there's a lot of forest fires, but burned right no. to the stump is, is, is putting strategy on the candles, right? What you've seen this morning are the forces that cause the market to move, not respond to the market to move. And where retail traders are trying to apply strategy, they're trying to apply it to the candles, but they don't see the data and the activity, the microstructure that changes direction before.
2: So did you develop, like, how did you get this, the predictive part?
1: Um, Well, I've been doing this, uh, I've been trading foreign exchange for 28 years. Um, it, it's been it's been an evolutionary process. I mean, and I was writing a blog post about it this morning, you know, and an email. Um, but it's just been a long process. And I started this technically um, in foreign exchange, June or July, maybe early August of 1994, and I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee, walking across the street from McDonald's to a hotel I was staying at um on vacation and the, it was just a thought i was looking at uh, the currency rates in a newspaper and hot a really ultra hot cup of coffee in the other hand and you know, i looked down at the paper and but the thought was someday somebody's going to have the ability to track money flow and they're going to be able to speculate on any given direction because they know what that money flow is doing i'm done with my work it wasn't, it wasn't intentionally me, but that's been my focus. Unintentionally, that has been my focus. So you know, whether it was high frequency arbitrage and volume analysis, which is down below at the bottom of this chart down here, this is all volume analysis. And it also has that structural analysis. So this little red ribbon up the top here is telling us that all of this is a downside move, right? So there's a lot of analysis in there. You know, these these binary looking lines also tell us the combination of volume and price. The volume and price is breaking down right there because this line goes to the downside and then it reverses volume and price goes to the upside right there. So that means all of this is identifiable by volume. So whether it's been market making whether it's been high frequency arbitrage, which is very similar. You know, my my first job in the industry was I was hired by a a futures firm to give them a report as an analyst. I was a young kid. Um, I was 22, maybe 23 at the time. I think 22. Uh, I was hired just to give them a report on what causes the market to move. And what I discovered was that, and what I put in the report was that sentiment and volume, right? So the first 15 years was focused on volume because I didn't know how to pull sentiment. But the blog post and story that I was writing this morning was that the banks have put so
3: much money into protecting themselves that they have exposed themselves,
1: right? And what I mean by that is the banks have thrown billions and billions and billions of dollars into market-making technology and technology that protects them from arbitrage activity so they can detect it and, you know, fight against it but in doing that they have made the market completely efficient and in making the market efficient they have allowed me to or allowed analysis and not say me it's not an ego thing they have allowed analysis to exploit inefficiency so by combating inefficiency on the other side of the hand they have exposed inefficiency,
3: right? And they've sunk billions of dollars into it because they don't want one trader trading one
1: lot, two lots, three lots against them because of a two pip disparity or a two pip breach in parity because it's an arbitrageable trade. So in doing that, what they have done is exposed all of their market making because the market will forever search for parity, and that's why these candles right now are moving to the upside because sentiment is still well. Now it Murphy's law. Now it wants to change, right? And from this transition point, if it's within zero to two pips, aha, here we go. If it's within zero to two pips, then that would be a change in direction. But if it's between two and eight pips, we would want it to see that break that candle as well. But this is, if this was 20 pips, then we would certainly want to see it change direction on the the retracement of the differential.
2: Meaning go below the 12?
1: Yeah, go below the 12. Because when there's when there's a clear differential in direction of that differential above that 12, 12%, that is what causes all of the strong moves. It's money flow into, in this case, what where this market's moving lower money flow into the dollar at greater than 12% with, or, with the dollar greater than 12%, the value of the Euro, which shows up on the differential as a negative 12 because it's the Euro slash dollar exchange rate, but it's still a 12% difference, right? That's money flow
3: and all of this movement, remember only 3% of that movement is retail trader. So it's all bank movement, Mm -hmm. it's all bank activity. (laughs) yep any other questions um well
2: explain to me then the like your like your program like what how does everything work
3: so
1: There there is a course, right? And the course is 44, 45 lessons. I think 45 lessons. And similar to what I've done this morning in this session, uh, that, that course online has videos and some text for each lesson. And we go through and I methodically break it down, but I show you first what retail traders have done their typical approach and why the charts are in fact wrong and what they're not showing you again very similar to what we've already done this morning. This morning effectively is the course in a very condensed view. Mm -hmm. So in order to identify that transparency, we need to be able to track money flow. And we need to recognize that it's the institutional activity that's going to put our trades into profit. Because if we're not tracking that institutional flow, we don't know where the trades are going to occur. We can't just, we can't completely fish in the dark, you know, without being able to see that money flow. So we can turn the candles off because the analysis is not based upon the candles. The analysis is based upon The pricing and volume structure of all currencies, but not the candles on this currency, on this exchange rate, right? So the course breaks it down and then puts it into um, exercises, uh, these types of exercises of eliminating the candles and, you know, placing trades and then, you know, usually, I'll give somebody some practical exercises. Um, and Joel, if you, Joel, can you turn your microphone on? Yes. Yeah, Joel is going through that process right now. And and Joel, um, I told him, I, well, I gave him, had a conversation the other day, he just started uh, maybe a week ago, week and a half ago. I gave him an exercise to identify what we call bid, ask, bounce. And that's a component of it. And bid-ask bounces effectively these lines that are on the chart here, are on these windows where it's moving to the downside and then moving to the upside. Well, volume's doing it. So is the differential. And so is sentiment and price. They're all changing direction at the same time. But they're all independent studies. And none of them are based upon price alone. It's sentiment at first, it's then the differential, which ultimately comes from the indexes, but it's still a different study. And we wanna make sure that it's breaking lower at the right time. And then volume does the same thing, but sentiment moves first, volume moves second, price moves third. So look at where This broke down with those lines shifting to the downside up here. This candle, this candle on sentiment, because it's down here. And then this candle on volume. I said sentiment moves first, volume moves second. The retail trader would not see price action lower until over here.
3: Would you agree?
2: <clears throat> yeah.
1: Somewhere somewhere over there. They're not going to see it until they get there. But if that's the case, and the retail trader sees price action lower through here, where
3: do they see price action higher? Right there. So what are they fighting for? This is their profit center. Unless they were really
1: you know, trigger happy and exited, you know, somewhere over here. But what they're doing is intentionally minimizing their profitability. Right. So that's the course, that's the structure. You know, um, there are options that, you know, somebody can come on board uh, and, you know, kind of come in self-service if you will, and go through the course, and not need anything else. And there have been, you know, there's been plenty of those. There are also people that want a little bit of one-on-one instruction. And there's the difference between coaching where I'm going to, we're going to get on calls and probably five, six, seven calls or so. And when we get on those calls, I'm going to give you the exercises. I'm going to tell you what to look for, Um, but I'm not going to have you give me homework. Uh, Joel sent me back a number of screenshots to identify bid ask bounce. And I'll show you what bid ask bounce is here in a minute, but he gave me his exercises and every one of them was correct. So Joel, where is your confidence today?
3: Oh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good now. I'm probably about 80% because I actually did a little demo account trading okay. this morning and it was successful. So I'm feeling pretty good. Okay. And, and where was your confidence before you started with us? Oh, I was... I was almost, I was at 10% probably. I, I was done with trading. Right? Yeah. And my wife, my wife said I was done with trading.
1: She was probably almost <laughs> done with you.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, and, and, and how long did it take you to go from um, bottom of the barrel 10% to where you're at now? Uh, I
3: think it was probably about a week. Three days, yep. four, three or four days, four days, yeah.
1: Yep. Um, any other words of advice for Miriam?
3: Um, you, you just got to do it. This is not anything you've ever seen before. I'm, I'm actually not embarrassed to show my wife what I'm doing now. I used to be. <laughs> oh, that's a that's
1: a testimonial right there. Oh <laughs> uh, gosh. Um, uh, Alex actually mentioned something the other day in, in our group, Miriam, and it was kind of comical. He says, uh, um, not, "What did you say, Alex? Ninety-seven percent of traders lose money; the other three percent are here." Yeah,
3: yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. I it's that.
1: just, and, and Miriam, it, it's it's not because I designed it. It's not because, and Cody's helped us um, develop some of it in terms of sentiment on the candles and and. Um, uh, cat cat scratch fever, uh, because he likes cats. But, um, you know, it's, it's transparency. You know, I, you know, I got into, um, I, my first huge win, I say huge win is, you know, took place in, the winter of 1993, I had bought four lumber calls, so four lumber options, and three days later, the Canadians cut their lumber exports, and the price of lumber went limit up for two weeks, and I had I had four options, uh, and I made over $120,000 in the first couple of weeks of those that trade, uh, and as long as it was going limit up, I was good. You know, I didn't need to do anything. Uh, so it wasn't like uh, trying to breathe and, and watch the market go up and down. Uh, but um, after that, when I took the position at the brokerage, I gave, or just before that position, I gave half of it back because I did not have the transparency that I saw and needed when I went to work for the brokerage. Right? So when I got there, it was really <laughs> tasting that sour apple and realizing how
3: abusive
1: the banks have been, not just to me, yeah.
3: you
1: know, but to everyone else. You know, so it's been my entire career of exposing it. And it's not about, again, it's not about the candles. We don't care about the candles. You know, it's sentiment drives that market volume. Volume governs where the prices go. You know, and it's that microstructure view. Now, most traders are afraid of the one minute. They're just afraid of it because they their analysis is broken and intentionally flawed. But who promotes their approaches? Wait a minute. Let's look at it this way there's their approaches all there all of these are
3: based upon the same thing following the market and that's transparency all
1: right anyone else getting any questions anything and then miriam any
2: any last questions um no i mean i what's <laughs> it's a process
1: yeah it, it's it's a, proct- a process of practice you know cuz we can you know we can practice 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 you know but as i break it down in the course retail traders are practicing the wrong thing right and what they're doing is toxic because what they're what they're really doing is reinforcing every time they make a trade with faulty analysis They're reinforcing faulty methods. So it's no wonder that retail traders, 90%, 95% of them lose money.
3: No surprise. But take that faulty analysis away from them and
1: improve the way that they're approaching the market off that hard right edge of the chart. Because if we're, if we're gonna just talk price action, it's easy, easy, easy to trade because there's the high, there's the low. But you've got to minimize that view of buyers banding together, sellers banding, banding together and which one is stronger. And if you trade based upon that, then you might be okay. But you still have to understand and, and have in order to have that insight, You have to have that data or have that insight into what the institutions are doing. Because as you see, every candle lower, with the exception of this range, because Mr. Murphy is showing up and it's just gone range bound every candle lower or every candle higher when it gets in that move it's not going to change direction until sentiment shifts direction and then it moves to the upside and it's not going to change direction until sentiment changes direction because the market is responsive it responds to every move and whether it continues in a move to the upside in a spike or explicitly responds and changes direction, it can only do so with sentiment. And if sentiment does not change direction, traders will not put volume behind it because it is a learning process and it's a learning process for you know institutions as well. And they have to adapt or respond to every change in direction. But for us, break down what the retail trader knowledge is given. And the best thing that somebody can do and everybody else you can turn the microphone on or just type it. The best thing that you can do is forget everything you think you know already. Wipe the slate clean. Because what 95% of traders know is intentionally wrong. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And who has benefited the most? The banks. Right? So it's a process. Um, You understand what the indexes are doing and then you dissect. And I show you how to dissect that connection between sentiment, which comes from the indexes and price. And then You're able to identify the turns. And from there, you'll understand volume and volume in price. And you'll understand the terms, the turn, sorry. And when sentiment changes direction, as I just showed you on the chart here, over here, volume changes direction, usually within a candle. But sentiment moves first. Because where the banks again have fought for efficiency and paid dearly for efficiency, what they've exposed is the ability to extract this sentiment from the candles or from the pricing. So every quote that comes in from all the 28 major currency pairs allows us to break down those quotes into individual currency values and when the euro swiss and dollar swiss divert from uh, from each other in terms of the indexes euro index and, and and dollar index with the corresponding dollar to swiss index and euro to swiss index that exposes the transparency in the euro dollar because parity, one last discussion before we go into bid ask bounce, parity is the equivalent of exposing triangular arbitrage. And triangular arbitrage, and I say triangular arbitrage because you can Google it and you, you can find out what I mean here. But you can start with, let's say, a million euro dollar or euro, and you convert that euro to, say, the dollar and then you convert the dollar to say the swiss franc and all at the same time because these are all done within a millisecond or a half a millisecond they're all done at the same time you convert that swiss back to a million euro and what you've got is what you've got is something more like this when you're done with that million euro conversion free money okay it's the same thing with sentiment so sentiment is looking at the indexes of euro and dollar and telling us which side of the market is it balanced is it is it tilted towards the dollar or is it tilted towards the euro and that is what sentiment is doing and if it's not tilted towards either then sentiment is on the bid line So there's decades of research and work in order to identify how this is done. And that's not an exaggeration, unfortunately, and my hair shows, Um, but there's decades of it. But exposing that efficiency or inefficiency allows us to see that sentiment because it's the equivalent it's, it's not perfect, a perfect equivalent or parity or parallel, but it shows where that triangular calculation gives us the same thing in, in terms of market sentiment. It's balanced to the upside or the downside. Sentiment to the downside is why this candle right now is moving lower. And this will forever move lower until sentiment goes higher. Now we don't know exactly how far that's gonna be, but what it does is it gives us the confidence to stay in the trades, right? So let's talk about bid ask bounce before we take off. So bid ask bounce, and whether we're looking at bid ask bounce on sentiment or bid ask bounce on volume, the structure is identical or bid ask bounce on the differential. The structure is identical. So let's go back and find these zones, All right? So these zones are pretty strong to the upside. These are all identified by these zones of blue, these collected blue lines where it shows a condition of continuation right and then it pulls back and each of these yellow lines are giving continuations and yeah yeah. so let's go back and look at those zones oh well, yeah we can use this one let's use this one this chart so bid ask bounce well now let's go to the other one because it's got the, the breaches there. Let's get rid of Flow Trader, so we have a little bit more real estate. All right, so bid-ask bounce is a breach of movement, and the phenomenon of the market to do this, right? 32, because it's favorite number, 33. 32 and a half, 33 and a half, 33, 34. And the market will forever do this. This is how it moves. And that's why these zones like this did this. Most of the candles are moving higher, but they're moving higher because volume and sentiment are moving higher. And they can only pull back and go to a lower low if sentiment moves lower. But the change in direction... And we're gonna use this zone here as our first example. The change in direction can only happen when sentiment and price change direction, but it's not price action. It's just sentiment based upon that most recent impulsive move of, um, what do they call it, uh, banding together. So sellers are banding together. And then that has left behind a high on sentiment, but also a high on price. And when sentiment reaches to a new high and price reaches to a new high, you've got a breach of bid-ask bounce. But bid-ask bounce is a a phenomenon of the market to do that or to do this, or to go range bound sideways and do that. And the only way it can change direction from that is with a breach of sentiment and volume, right? So let's look at this zone. And as the market moves lower, I'm gonna put a circle for price, a circle for price, a circle for price, a circle for price. And that looks to be about it. There might be a little bit of a a little bit of a high in here and when i look for this high what i'm looking for is directly down below it to see if there's a sentiment high to see if there's a sentiment high to see if there's a sentiment high and to see if there's a sentiment high and a sentiment high right because the first instance of both sentiment and price changing direction. Now, not just sentiment and not just price, but both sentiment and price changes direction. It looks like right there. Because this high in sentiment has left behind this high in price. And this high in sentiment has left behind this high in price. So we need to see it break out of that range of bid, ask, bounce with price and sentiment. And when it does that, it gives us this change in direction. Make sense?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. That's the biggest value that traders can ever see without having that inside view of the market. Without having sentiment and volume, if you traded this way, you would be 65% profitable every day of the week, all right? So let's use that principle behind or to discover the next change in direction because you've got this upside move on bid ask bounce here, but that means, all right, we've got a low here in sentiment. So let me clean this up. So we've got this to this and then upside move here And then this leaves behind a low in sentiment. Then you've got a low in sentiment. You've got a low in sentiment, a little bit of a lower low in sentiment, right? And then another low in sentiment, and then another low in sentiment, and then a new low in sentiment where it's broken again. But let's correlate these lows. The first one we don't have to worry about here, but this gives us a low somewhere in here. It looks like. And then this gives us a low somewhere in here. And then this gives us a lower low. But wait a minute. We want sentiment and price. But this is not a break lower by what we would call the buffer or the spread. The spread of bid-ask spread keeps us in the market to identify or out of the market at times to identify where sellers think the price is worth less than what the buyers thought it was worth on the prior candle. So if we're comparing these two candles, that is not a break lower. Right. And I didn't intentionally draw that angle, but what we want to confirm is that it's lower, the asking price is lower than the prior bid. Because that tells us sellers around the world, institutional sellers also agree that the price is worth less than what it was here. Make sense?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, so this is not a move lower. So that leaves us a price low, a higher low. And then this, is a higher low, so you still have to see sentiment and price, and then this is a higher low, looks like there, maybe between those two candles, and now this is sentiment lower, oh, wait a minute, this is also price lower, direction to the downside, and that is drawn for the upside candle right there, and the downside move right there, so it's automatically identified for you. So whether Joel used the cheat sheet being in, in the indexes or a flow traders, I don't know, but he identified these turns, not necessarily these turns but the equivalent on another chart. But that's what this is doing, identifying the change. And that change continued until we got to here. And that happened right here until here. So if we just look at those, look at what we've got. So let's back out and let's look at those moves to identify the upward move. You've got that. Then you've got this. right? Then you've got this. right? Then you've got this. Your day is over. Now... There are probably 35 strategies within this analysis. You know, the combination of the indexes, sentiment, flow trader, the differential. There's probably 35 strategies. Some of it depends on you, on your personality, and what you prefer, right? But the analysis, as long as you're using that forward view of analysis, the analysis is going to work because... It's what's causing the market to move you know, as a result of the analysis, right? So if you're looking for a couple percent return, here is a move that went, well, 30 pips, there's 3%. And you say you got a slice of that and you've got another 1.5% on that. You know, you've got another one, uh, 1.5% on that. And you've got another 2% on that. Oh
3: wait, but all of that occurred in a period of two hours. That's how the market moves. But the institutions are giving you the leverage.
1: They are giving you the leverage because they do not think you're gonna have this level of analysis.
2: Do they not know you have it?
3: No. So
1: um, that's it. Any, any, anyone else comments, criticisms? I take those okay. Maybe kind of. Anyone? Cody, any thoughts?
0: Um is good i don't know it's good it's good yeah yeah Yeah.
1: um miriam the in, in in closing or kind of closing it's it's all about transparency and being able to flip the script and turn what the institutions do completely around so while they give us the leverage we exploit it exploit it expose it because they're only giving us the leverage because they know statistically they have the upper hand because they don't think we've got this level of knowledge behind us. Right, that's it. To uh, any any Miriam, any last questions or?
2: I'm just. <clears throat> what's my next step then?
3: Um, so, oh, and I, I'm
1: sorry, I didn't finish that comment, uh, that, that thread of commentary earlier. There's three ways that somebody can come on board, uh, kind of self-service uh, or what I call coaching. Coaching is five, five instructional sessions that kind of guide you uh, but if you, if you need a little bit more intensive instruction or one-on-one, and not everybody does, and not everybody that you know, obtains it uses it right away. In fact, I suggest that you don't use it until you, until you plateau in terms of performance, I suggest you don't use it. Because my time is much more valuable for you at those higher levels of performance. And I can tell you, Daniel hasn't used any. Um, uh, Svenja has used a couple, uh, but, you know, uh, it, it's been a little bit more tough love maybe for Svenja uh, to try and get her to trading well. And that seems to have worked, you know, kind of perfectly, uh, you know, let's see Cody, You know, he's into his 50th hour. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Cody uh, hasn't used any. Um, 50 hours.
0: My goodness. No, I'm just
1: kidding. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alex hasn't used any. Uh, Joel's on, you know, 30 minutes or whatever it was from last week or earlier this week. Uh, You know, so it's your your best – your hours or your the one-on-one is best spent after you've discovered uh, everything that you can and you have remaining questions or you want to tweak what you know, or maybe you're looking, literally just looking at the chart, you know, a little bit different from what I'm looking at. So that means your focus might be in the wrong place for a moment. Um, but you, you decide whether you want completely self-service or you think you're going to need coaching or mentorship now in the mentorship uh, that is more the intense one-on-one where Joel responded to our little uh, one-on-one session and I gave him some assignments and he then emailed me back a screenshot with examples of bid ask bounce that we just did or something similar to what we just did and you know you, you heard him say you know confidence is at that you know 80 percent level or so um and he started with 10 and, and Daniel was at, you know, basically zero and he's at 90 and, and yeah. So, and Svenja was probably at 20 and she's probably at that 75, maybe 85, Um, you know, so the difference here is that anybody who's trading actively um, the rest of the world uh, in comparison, the rest of the world, the groups, uh, if you call it that, uh, the methods, smart money concepts, you might see somebody at fifty percent, you know, accuracy, uh, because it's a flawed approach. Uh, it does not work, and it's only based upon the candles, and that is not anything that you would want to risk your money at. Um, you know, you went to you went to school and become a you get your uh, doctorate in chiropractic what is it? chiropractic yeah. uh, medicine yeah. whatever uh, is chiropractic a word is i don't know um, oh, Chiropractic. But yeah okay so you went to you went to school for that but traders will risk everything without proper knowledge why i don't know it's the most complex or one of the most complex industries that there is but they'll risk everything with with an elementary school knowledge because of ego, you know, and there are, you know, three different types of personalities. That's it. There's three different types of personalities that fit traders. There's either the follower who will follow signals and follow a strategy, and they're going to do as well as the strategy shows them to do. Um, there's an engineer type who will dissect everything like myself and want to know or want to improve what's there. Uh, And then there's the genius. Whatever you do, don't be a genius, please. Because the genius is so headstrong that they're going to take a strategy that works and put a moving average on it because that's what they know. And they're afraid to jump into anything that is outside of their comfort level. Right. So the next step is decide whether you want to try self-service. Uh, decide whether you want you know coaching or even more one-on-one mentorship. And you you upgrade through the go through the process. Upgrade. Uh, I would suggest you don't install the tools yet um, because nobody's ready for them the first day or so. Go through the course once, uh, and you can breeze through it, and then. Where's the course? The course is on i4x.market.
2: So that's on your site right now? Yeah,
1: it's within the site. It's within the site. Okay. Yeah. Um, But... And there's also and Alex said that there was also a, a forum. We've got a telegram group that you joined uh, and then the forum and the forum is something new that we installed. That way people can post their PL stuff, their, their questions. And it's not active yet. There's some posts in there. Alex is probably the most active in there, but by all means, everybody should be, you know, using that, that post and in or those the forum and in the forum, it's broken down, there is a section that is broken down to the course lessons. So if you have a specific question in a specific lesson, put that in the appropriate forum and that way everybody can benefit from it. You know, I do this so I can benefit and everybody else can benefit at the same time, but use the forum, you know, so everybody else can benefit along the way in those very specific questions, you know, but whether it's, you know, and, and here's the here's the nitty-gritty of it. No, you can put a thousand strategies on the chart. Right? A thousand of them. And no matter what, how no matter how many strategies you put on the chart, what's going to be left when you start whittling them away, say strat, you know, here, here, all these stop levels, all the you know, the the predictions and all that other nonsense. You know, when, when you start whittling them away based upon their low level of profitability and you start pulling them off the chart, what's going to be left is what's on the chart now. Sentiment and volume. And it doesn't make a difference. And this is, you know, one of, this, one of the discussion or the, one of the lessons in the course is the case for data and strategy. And I've already kind of suggested it already or said it already is, Traders will forever put, without a proper education, without a complete education, they're going to risk everything. And they're going to put strategy on top of the candles. I dissected the market to understand how it moves. And I'm still learning. I'm never going to be done, technically. I think I'm done with my building, but I'm never going to be done. But traders will forever put strategy on the candles. I put strategy on the data on the data that drives the market the result is the candles and the market searching out that efficiency or that parity that balance point which is why sentiment works the way it does okay okay all right cheers everyone see you tomorrow morning thank you
3: cheers all right, cheers, thank you. cheers cheers cheers
1: Bye-bye.
0: cheers, cheers. See you. cheers You've just listened to an episode of the FX Money Show, where every day Nick discusses analysis that drives traders' confidence through the roof. Subscribe to the podcast, enjoy the show, and discover your inner trader. The service of the FX Money Show is to provide foundational educational content to trading listeners of foreign exchange and other financial markets. Anything expressed in the FX Money Show by its producers or guests is educational in nature and in no way constitutes advice. You must understand the risks associated with trading financial products and use only capital you can afford to risk.